you guys ready up there? Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a WFT board member and producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. How can neurodiversity enrich our industry? What does an inclusive set really look like? In this lively online discussion, WFT Vice Chair and DOP Yara Valdek was chatting with Anna Charska and Keelan Handley about autism as well as the importance of making authentic films with autistic filmmaking talent in front and behind the camera. Hello everyone and welcome. I'm Susan Liddy, Chair of WIFT Ireland and your board member on WIFT International. Now the desirability of having a neurodiverse screen industry is something we're all becoming more than aware of. But I suspect there's a lot we don't know or maybe only half know about neurodiversity. We at WIFT are intent on finding it all out, and we're going to hope that tonight, a lot of our questions will be answered. I'm so delighted to welcome Anna Charska and Caelan Handley this evening, and I'll leave our Vice Chair and DOP Yara Valdek to make further introductions and host this evening's conversation, which we're all looking forward to. Thank you, Yaro, and over to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Susan, for the introduction. And I'd like to say hello to Anna and hello to Kaylin. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. No problem at all. I um, have um, met you both personally on, on a, a two separate film productions. And I have little bit you know, learned a little bit uh, uh, about the fact that autism is something that you live with. And I had no idea really what it was about. So I started to get interested in learning what is uh, neurodiversity and what is autism. And I am just really thrilled that we can discuss it here together today and uh, that you will help me <laughs> and maybe to our listeners as well, just to kind of see the world from your perspective and also give us a take on what it's like to make films uh, when one is autistic and how those who aren't can help integrate uh, and, and just make a better working environment for everyone. So we'll, we'll get to all of those questions. But I just want to say a little bit about each of you. So I have a little cheat sheet here. <laughs> so other than meeting uh, Kaylin on a film, on a short film production, uh, she, uh, where, where I was working, uh, Kaylin is an autistic activist and film producer. Uh, she works as a junior producer in MK1 Studios Productions uh, across a range of international co-productions. She's also developing a number of her own shorts centered around the themes of diversity and, inclu and inclusion. Um, Kaylin is completing or maybe has completed. I'm not sure if that's come to an end. Um, a research into neurodivergent and disabled cast and crew in the Irish screen industry. Uh, it, is, it is a brilliant piece of, um, I'd say, literature. I've read it and it's been funded by Arts Council and the results have been shared with Screen Ireland and are available to anyone interested. And that's where I've learned uh, a lot more uh, about neurodiversity and autism. And Anna, I have met Anna when they were producing a, a short film I worked on. Anna is a neurodiverse producer, director, and writer, and a managing director of Sticky Tape Productions. 
Anna has been involved with the film industry on and off throughout her uh, their life, and their background is in business, uh, but they produce, direct, write, and manage projects that exemplify their interest in unconventional cinema, often regarding topics involving mental health or societal matters that require greater public awareness. Anna has recently, I'm not sure if that was last year, she'll tell us, but she's made a film uh, about autism. And it is something that we're going to talk about here today, the film uh, itself. And uh, we're going to also show a few clips uh, from the film. So just to get us started, I hope I didn't didn't mumble too much this introduction, Um, but just to get us started, Anna, maybe I'll start with you since your name starts with A. Just give, in your own words, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to filmmaking and and kind of maybe what it is that you're working on and where 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 are your projects kind of aiming? Um, well, I got into film from a young age. I started actually with acting, mm-hmm. and um, in in Hollywood, <laughs> in LA, not uh, not Ireland, not Hollywood, no. Wicklow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, I was just pulled off the street by a director who needed somebody to do a swimsuit commercial, and that's what kind of started this all. And uh, I took a bit of a a leave of absence to to study business. Um, and then when I came here to Ireland, it sort of just found me. I was actually looking for for something different, and it all just kind of came my way. So um, I found that it was very different working here than in the US. I found that um, it was much more of a pleasant experience here. People were much more, you know, team oriented here. Um, And over there, it was really just elbowing people out of the way to try to make yourself look better. So I I really just enjoyed this this industry more, I'd say. And and I found that that my personality type um, just kind of fit. this industry very well uh, the creativity alongside with the business mind you know because you really kind of need to have both if you're going to do well in film you need to look at everything as a business each project mm-hmm. is a business in itself you're a business as an artist in yourself you know so it helps to have the background in business and I think in terms of projects um, you know I, I really I, I do some fun projects as well that, you know, aren't aren't important in terms of uh, societal issues, but but I, I find that that's really what's kind of, you know, my passion is, is, is bringing to light sort of things, making people look at uh, maybe mental conditions differently than, than they would in the past. Um, you know, um, just really trying to open people's eyes open and get them thinking in a different direction. I, th- well, I mean, at least when it comes to me, you have succeeded because the film that we we're going to talk about, Mildly Different, has done exactly that. It showed me how an autistic person can can experience the world and how maybe I was, not maybe, how I was blind to to um, the fact that people do do experience things differently. And I just need to be more aware. Um, so thank you, Anna. And uh, Kaylin, uh, I, I, I heard a brilliant podcast where you were interviewed by a young, I think, nine-year-old um, girl uh, <laughs> who has autism. And, and that, uh, we're going to share a link later with everyone. But that was such a brilliant uh, introduction to who you are. So how did you come to filmmaking and uh, mm-hmm. tell us about your interests in like making films? 
Yeah, so my grandma will always tell the story of since I was about two years old, if you asked me what you want to be when you grow up, I'd always say an artist and a mammy. So, <laughs> and that's never changed. Um, I, then I kind of dabbled between like photography and animation and film production as a teenager and then did work experience in two animation companies, realized I do not have patience <laughs> to be an animator. So let's stick with traditional filmmaking. Um, so I was just making my own terrible, terrible films as a teenager and then went to film school in IDT which is where I learned that producing was the bit I liked the best. That's like, cause I'd done every role up until that point on my own stuff. And I realized that producing was the bit I actually enjoyed. And the other stuff was just things I had to get done <laughs> to get the film made. I see. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, so, I mean, I, I think when, when I met you, you were working in some capacity in production mm -hmm. on, on that short film, right? So yeah, I was the coordinator. Okay, all right. That is something that I could never do, but uh, I'm glad there are people who can. <laughs> oh, no, it's good fun. I love it. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. So I'm going to just just uh, go, come back to Anna and uh, the, the film that you made, Mildly Different. Can you, I would like to share a clip uh, from the film with our audience, but can you please just tell us a little bit about the film and why it is that you made it? Yeah, um, essentially what it is, is it's um, it's about a young woman on the autism spectrum who struggles with the world around her until the kindness of one person kind of changes her life and restores her confidence. And it's a story about um, understanding herself, um, you know, because she was misdiagnosed early on and, and also about connection and friendship and, and rebuilding her own confidence due to being able to connect with somebody else. I think that a lot of times people feel that autistic uh, individuals don't want to connect and it isn't that, it's actually just that it, it can be very difficult when you're so different from somebody else. Um, and I, I wanted to really illustrate how important connection was to us and also to, um, to really give autistic people a, um, you know, an authentic representation because there's a lot of misconceptions about what autism is and what we are like and and how we see things like people think autism they think rain man you know um and it's really not the case and i just wanted to really show what it's like um for us day to day and what what a lot of us are actually like and um because i'm a late diagnosed autistic as well so it was all just just very very important to me to to show people what I guess I wasn't able to see when I was ah, mm -hmm. yeah because I because I had gone through it so late um and was misdiagnosed as a child and all of this I just felt that um you know if there was more representation this would have been something I would have thought of you know ages ago versus so late not one person even thought to to assess me you know and all the signs were there just, mm -hmm. yeah so, Wonderful passion project. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. I uh, I'm lucky uh, to have seen it, uh, and uh, you know, I it is to me maybe because I also know, but it just looks like it was made by someone who's passionate about this and who knows what they have experienced and are talking about. So, without further ado, I'm just gonna share um, uh, the trailer trailer first with everyone and after the trailer we're gonna go go to Kaylin and just ask her about um uh her experience uh maybe learning that that uh she is autistic so here we go I'm gonna play it now what if you saw the world a little differently 
if they could see it through your eyes. So um, we, we do have a few more clips from that film that we will share a little bit later. But um, I now want to ask Kaylin. So Anna has shared with us that they uh, were diagnosed later in life. Uh, what, what was it like for you, Kaylin? So mine was a bit of a weird one. So I think everyone who's autistic will tell you we've all we've known our entire lives that we're different. We just didn't know why. And that was the same for me. When I was 12, I figured out that I had autism. But back then, all that I knew about it was what we saw on TV and in the media, which was that it was this horrible, terrible thing, which terrified me. So I hid that from everybody. I never told a soul. And I pushed that down. And then it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I got my diagnosis. I actually got it. It was very dramatic. I got my diagnosis February 2020. And then wow. <laughs> the next week, the world ended. So I was like, all right, OK, oh. cool. <laughs> But, right. but it actually it was it was kind of perfect timing because it gave me time to kind of process that without having to just go straight into work I had time to kind of breathe and figure out what that meant for me and, and who I actually was because the thing is especially um, when you're not diagnosed until you're an adult you mask very very highly even to yourself and masking is basically hiding your autism and for all intents and purposes, pretending that you're a neurotypical, somebody who isn't autistic or isn't neurodivergent. So I had to strip back the layers of the masks and figure out who the real me was and what I actually liked and didn't like and what actually worked for me and what didn't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, as someone who I don't, I don't know many people who are autistic uh, and I, as someone mm -hmm. who is only now kind of learning more about it and learning the correct terminology to use, can you uh, tell me and feel free to to mm -hmm. kind of drop in when you when you want we can just have a conversation as if we're hanging out at a pub um what is the the main description like what it is to be neurodivergent and specifically mm -hmm. autistic what should we imagine underneath that term I mean first and foremost we're people too <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of folks forget about us it's I think the best analogy is it's just a different processing system. So, you know, neurotypicals would be, say, iPhones, Apple, whereas uh, neurodivergence or autistics would be Android. So it's just <laughs> we, we function perfectly fine. We just use different software. And obviously, okay. if you put, you know, an Apple so software and Android phone, like it's not going to work. But it doesn't mean that one of them is inherently wrong, although some people... <laughs> Are strict Apple fans. <laughs> Let's not get into that. But it just—it's just a different way of of being, and it is just our our brains are simply wired differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way that I like to—it essentially the same thing. The way that I like to describe it is, it's just a different way of processing, absorbing, and expressing information. That's really what it is, I'd say, in a nutshell. Okay, and so so as someone who I, I think I am probably not. I'm probably neurotypical, I think. I have never <laughs> seeked a professional opinion. But so, so as someone who is uh, a neurotypical, how can I maybe be more aware that someone around me isn't, isn't wired the same way? And how can mm -hmm. I go about figuring it out or, or maybe asking 
can I ask uh, to, to kind of to educate myself and to also be a better team player, a bit better human being for for a neurodivergent mm -hmm. people? What would you, what would your advice be? Okay, so there's a few questions in that, so okay, I'll try to break it down. So for asking, like I always say, just talk to us and just ask us. Um, I wouldn't go to somebody you've just met and who hasn't told you either way if they're autistic or not, because they might not be or they might not be comfortable saying it or they might not know themselves because there is a lot of undiagnosed adults in the world, particularly in Ireland, because you actually can't get a diagnosis as an adult here um, on the HSE. You have to do it privately and it costs about a grand, which obviously yeah. is quite expensive. So a lot of people, they don't know, and doctors are terrible. I ha I've had to tell every doctor I've gone to that I'm autistic, including all my GPs. And I've had a few and they're all like, oh, no, really? Yeah. <laughs> really, really autistic. But if we're vocal about it, like I would be, and I actually, um, if you see me on set nowadays, a lot of the time I'm rocking T-shirts that straight up say I'm autistic <laughs> in some way, shape or form. I'm quite happy to talk about it. So it's just kind of about reading the room in that regard. But on edu I think educating yourself is the biggest thing, like just in the media you consume and in the literature you read, that's that's just the biggest thing you can do. And if somebody is a little bit awkward or has you, you think their tone is a bit odd or they're dressing odd or they're behaving odd, don't just write them off as a freak or a weirdo or a bad person. Um, just try and talk to them or try to phrase things differently, you know. And I think, and I use those words because those are the words that are put on us when we don't have the autism label, which is something else I think is worth mentioning. A lot of people will say, oh, don't use autism. You're more than your autism. Don't, you know, but the thing is without the autism label, the labels we get stuck with instead are difficult, awkward, weird, freak, okay. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And it's like, those are terrible labels. Whereas yes. autism is a pretty good label and I love being autistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the labels are really important. A lot of people, especially parents, feel that they don't want to label their children. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually, I keep trying to tell them that it's actually the opposite. You do want to label yeah. them because instead of them realizing, oh, I'm just, you know, neurodiverse, they're mm -hmm. going to be thinking, oh, I'm, I'm a, you know, bold or I'm bad yeah. or I'm, you know, because all, mm. all these people are putting these other labels. Oh, they're so difficult. Or, oh, you know, why do you have to say it that way? Or, you know, and, and when they're trying their absolute best and, and then, you know, you end up with the situation that I went through, which was, you know, a child who is so hard on themselves and feels like they're a broken person because everybody around you is telling you all of these other labels because you don't have one that says, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm running on a different racetrack, you know? <laughs> I'm yeah. not these things I'm just different you know and 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 it, I feel like it's so important and I think also um what Kaylin mm -hmm. said about um you know communicating I think um leaving obviously you don't want to assume and you don't want to just you know ask somebody straight out hey are you autistic because again some people just won't know or some people mm -hmm. won't feel comfortable you know speaking about it due to all the misconceptions and judgments that they've faced mm -hmm. But I think um, what a good thing to do, for instance, working with somebody, um, even just just something that says somewhere 
you know, um, that we are, you know, non-discriminating to, you know, we're inclusive of diversity and neurodiversity. And if there's any accommodations or anything that you might need, please come to us, you know, and don't, don't necessarily, you don't have to pinpoint the person. You can just say it on a grand scale. And then everybody feels like they've been seen and heard and that if they need anything, they can come to you. The conversation has now been started and it's made normal. So I think yeah. that's the important part. And I think, sorry, sorry just to interject. No, 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 you go, you go, Kaylin. <laughs> on, the, on the accommodations, I think it's also really important to show that it's not just words, that you're not just ticking the box. Like give examples, you know, like anytime somebody is hired, send them, you know, a Google form or something. They're like, hey, do you need accommodations such as? you know, dim lighting or alternate work hours or this, that, the other, like give examples, because that makes it so much easier to A, know what's available and B, you you can see that the company actually means what they're saying. And they actually are walking the walk as well as talking the talk, which is a big problem in the industry. There's a lot of talk about it. There's not a lot of actual action. Wonderful. I'm I'm glad that you opened up this this the workplace and and how you can accommodate because that's that's mm-hmm. the major point of this webinar. I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of see um, Caitlin drawing on your on the research that you've done, the very thorough mm-hmm. questionnaire um, that you sent out to people in the industry. What is it? Mm-hmm. What are your findings at as far as autism and neurodiversity in Irish industry goes? Yeah, I mean, like there's so many of us out there, you know, and I think this is misconception that autism is like a very like small percentage of us. I think the official percentage is about 2%, which is as many as there are redheads in the world. And there's quite a lot of redheads. But the real findings, I've seen estimates anywhere from 4 to 10% of the population are autistic because, again, there's so many people who aren't diagnosed. And, you know, I'm you know, especially since my diagnosis, I'm very clued in to, <laughs> it's kind of like gaydar, but for autism. And I, I literally said that yeah. to somebody yesterday. Yeah. I was like, it's autism dar, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but really like, and now my, and I kind of, I can see who's autistic or who's at the very least neurodivergent on set. And we are bloody everywhere <laughs> in the film industry. Because the thing is with the industry as well, most people are neurodivergent. So neurodivergent is autism, dyspraxia, dyslexia, ADHD. ADHD. You know, most of us fall somewhere under that spectrum. So it's it's not like we're this tiny group of people, we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately though, most people, I like, I don't have the percentage uh, to hand, but it was a very, very small minority. I'd say a handful of people who had good experiences. Um, There's about 100 people who filled out the survey and most of them had absolute horror stories to say. um, Because I asked basically in the the research, I asked them all questions at the end. I said, if there's any other comments or stories you want to share for other people to know, tell them here. And a lot of people told stories of they were let go. They were discriminated against. they were bullied and harassed, including by producers. So um, that's obviously a major problem. And it's very saddening to see, but unfortunately I'm not surprised because those are experiences that I've had. And that was one of the biggest reasons I did the research was because I've been working in the industry since about 2017, 2018. So that was obviously, you know, two years pre-diagnosis and now two years post-diagnosis. And 
in that time, I've seen how inaccessible the industry is, not just in how it's structured, but also in how the people in it behave. And it does not need to be that way. And I have had um, I have had job opportunities taken away from me because of my being autistic. And recently last year, I had to go on sick leave mm-hmm. in the middle of a production. I was not the first, nor was I the last. But when I came back, my HRD told me that they had spoken to a doctor friend um, on my behalf without my um, consent or knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that this doctor friend had explained autism to them. And off the back of that, they had decided that they were going to entirely change my workload, my work location and my work schedule because I couldn't cope with neurotypicals and I needed a break and I try and I needed structure to my day and I was obviously very upset <laughs> because that is hugely offensive um but they wouldn't listen now this person I do want to preface they're lovely and this aside they were lovely um and they were a great HOD um and I know that they were coming out of this from the goodness of their heart however that stopped being the goodness of their heart the second I said that's really offensive and that actually would do the opposite for me. You would actually destroy my schedule because I have one. And let me explain how I've been working for the past three months yeah. and how I do have a mm-hmm. schedule and routine. And I do actually have breaks worked into my day. It was, it was actually working brilliantly for me, um, but they wouldn't listen. And then that culminated in me being let go a week early. Okay. So that was, you know, obviously 2021. That's not an old story. That's very fresh. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, a huge example of what not to do. Yeah, and the, the sad thing is, is I had been very vocal about me being autistic on that show and, and what worked for me, what didn't. I actually had a bag of fidgets with me. Um, I have many surrounding me now. <laughs> I'm glad to see some. I was hoping you would bring a few. <laughs> oh, my God, I have so many. I can show them all to you. But I, I would bring that around on set because I always I love to be doing something with my hands. Um, it just. I call it um, keeping that part of my brain occupied so I can actually concentrate on what you have to say to me. Because if I'm sitting perfectly still and looking you in the eye, I am not paying the blindest bit of attention to the words coming out of your mouth. I'm concentrating (laughs) on sitting still and looking you in the eye and getting freaked out by staring into yourself. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I would carry those around and I would explain to people because they'd be like, what what the hell is, what are you doing? And I would say it's a fidget, helps you concentrate, you want to go. And they'd be a bit, standoffish at first like oh no I don't know and I'd give it to them and then they'd find the one that works for them and their whole demeanor would change like oh oh that's actually very nice Mm. it is isn't it (laughs) and I actually ended up buying a few people their own to keep because like because it it helped them so much but little things like that and it was actually like you know that discrimination aside it was one of the best productions I've ever been on because Mm. I was able to have those conversations with people and I was able to educate people on the ground and you know there was about 80 of us on that crew and I spoke to damn near all of them and gave all of them an education by the end I was on the show for four months so by the end of the four months everybody had had a crash course <laughs> in what autism in it is what it means to be autistic and what you can do to help and most of it was just talking you know they'd, yes. they'd have questions mm-hmm. and concerns and I was like look the worst thing you can do is assume and yes. like my HUD did that's the absolute worst thing you can do the best thing is to be a little bit awkward at the start and be like hey do you mind if I ask how can I help how can I not help and I'd be like absolutely let's sit down this mm-hmm. is how I work well, you know, it's kind of funny because having read uh, Kaylin's wonderful research, actually, um, 
you know, a lot of people come and, and they assume that uh, if you're autistic, then you're going to be trouble on set because you're going to have so many accommodation needs that they won't be able to fill them or it's going to make it awkward. But essentially, um, as your research has shown and as my own personal experience has shown, that most of us just require clear, direct communication. Yeah. <laughs> that is the biggest yeah and best thing you can do for us just be very clear so don't yeah. expect us to assume and don't assume as well just ask mm -hmm. and tell us directly you know mm -hmm. and and that is the biggest thing that as your research has shown um works for us so i if that was implemented all around there would be mm -hmm. a better uh communication structure everybody whether they were neurotypical or neurodiverse yeah. and that is just something that should be done period so yeah. the accommodations that we you know that we need are are something that is just good practice and it, it yeah misconceptions from happening across the team and across the board and you know instead of yelling at each other two weeks later I thought you meant this you know it's it's you know it's all there black and white in writing or or very clearly communicated you know and and that would work for everybody so. yeah and that was another one of the reasons I did the research because I knew that that was going to be the outcome but everybody was like oh but you don't know that and I was like what that, let me show you then <laughs> If you're not willing to listen to me, maybe you'll listen to everybody else talking to you, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it, it is it's it's such simple things and it's not very expensive at all. In fact, a lot of the time it costs you less than it would for neurotypical and one of the best examples of that is food. So mm -hmm. pre COVID, as I'm sure everybody is aware, pre COVID, it was kind of like a buffet cell where you could pick and choose the bits of the the meals that you wanted so I could kind of so like a lot of autistics would struggle with sensory issues which I certainly do especially when it comes to texture and flavor mm -hmm. and it, I could normally cobble together a meal even if it was literally plain rice and chips because I couldn't eat any of the main dishes but I could eat the sides mm -hmm. however during COVID it's all pre-boxed which means that everything's in on top of each other and I can't eat that now Another thing to point out with sensory issues, it's not that we're picky eaters. Um, it's literally causes us pain and MRI scans of, of autistics exposed to sensory stimuli that they don't like has shown that the pain receptors light up. So mm -hmm. it literally causes us pain. It's not us being difficult. We, we physically can't deal with that. It's like asking somebody to stab themselves in the leg every time they eat and be like, oh, but I like the cake. So why would you? It's like, because I'm bleeding, Janet. <laughs> you know? I don't yeah. want to do that. Mm. But so I think so I kind of and I had to hype myself up the first time I did because I was terrified um but I went to the chef and I said look I'm really sorry but I'm autistic and I can't eat this food is there any chance you could pre prepare a plain dish for me each day I was like it doesn't have to be anything special it can literally be like you know plain chicken breast and plain roast potatoes like whatever the meal is just like could you make mine first um mm -hmm. And then you can make everyone else's with all the sauces and the spices and everything. They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I use less ingredients. <laughs> so it was actually cheaper. And and that worked out really well for me. And then I actually found other autistics on the production who uh, were sick because they weren't eating and they had no energy. And, you know, you're working 10 plus hour days, you need food, but they couldn't eat. So I was able to, first of all, identify that they were autistics, <laughs> get them to talk to me. And I was like, look, you can do this. And it changed their lives. It changed my life. It changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And 
that helped all of us so much and we were costing the production less money because we weren't eating you know there was there was more of the other stuff for everyone else to go around and there was less food waste and then it helped everyone else because then there are other people who had like food intolerances and stuff and they were like we didn't know that was an option I was like it is an option you know Mm. so again it helped everybody and if you could just have literally a plain food option as well as your curry your burger your whatever just have a plain food option available and it's not a big deal it's not something where you have to go to the side of the catering truck and you know be like please can you feed me yes. <laughs> you know it, it would just be normal and have it that you that's a, an accommodation offered it's like look if you can't eat the food here's who to talk to here's the best time to talk to them and this is what you can ask for yeah I think again like for me I'm lucky I, my sensory food issues are uncommon. So like things like runny eggs and, and sea urchin, I, you know, I, those aren't commonly found. So luckily I don't have that issue, but I think again, it's the same overall concept that we were talking about with um, just bringing the language, you know, if somebody has a gluten intolerance or if somebody is diabetic or somebody is, mm-hmm. you know, a vegan, all you have to do it's just without singling anybody out is just say anybody have dietary issues, bring it straight to me, you know, before the production, before the catering is set. And and that makes it easy for everybody. So I think it's just, you know, it's the whole encompassing of diversity and and different dietary needs. And it's just bring it to everybody and just say, come to me with this and grant, you know? Yeah. Wonderful. I, I I'm I really appreciate that you're sharing such you know personal details from your lives because I think it is these examples that can really lend an insight. And I was wondering as I was listening to you, like how what can a, a say a production company maybe that's a small one that that mm-hmm. uh, is a couple people and they're making short films for now. Um, and you know hoping to grow obviously but this is where they are how can how can they be inclusive of their crews and and I think what Anna you said it is just kind of open up the first intro email welcome on board of this production please come to us with any like uh, requirements that you might need that would best accommodate you this this is the Mm -hmm. best way to approach it really isn't it yes exactly and Mm -hmm. to not make it feel like it's a like it's a problem or a difficult okay yeah just make it seem like it's every other part of the information that you're giving out every other thing that you're saying it's all just you know all in there and then you know it'll feel more comfortable and make sure that there's somebody there you know that you say either come to me or come to this exact person you know so Mm -hmm. they know exactly who to go to and that there's no stigma attached or anything Mm -hmm. like that it's more just comfort because again like like Kaylin's um research showed a lot of people don't want to even tell the production company that they're you know that they're neurodiverse in any way because they're so worried that they're going to be you know judged or or something like that so I think you know the the easiest way that we can do it is to just open it up as much as possible make it as comfortable as possible that even if you don't want to say that you're autistic you can say I really need these kinds of meals or I really need this kind of thing even if you don't want to say you're autistic you know, it's yeah. just, it allows people to come to you um, and just openly and comfortably express their, their, their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really, it comes from the top down as well. And, and about the, like, not, you know, wanting to say that they're autistic. Like I, I would be very, very open about being autistic, but I still wait a few weeks into a job before, like, if it's a new group of people, I'll still wait a few weeks before I actually tell people, particularly my HODs and the producers, because the exact reason 
of the incident last year, you know, because even though they love my work, the minute that autism is in the, you know, is in the play, they're like, oh God, no. Um, so it is something to keep in mind. But I think also be aware of the language you're using. Like I was on a job where, and they obviously didn't know I was autistic. They didn't need to know. But literally the first five hours, <laughs> you know, into my very first day, uh, the topic of vaccines came up. Okay. And um, and it, this is COVID times. So people were talking about COVID vaccine and will you get vaccinated? And then it was, will you get your kids vaccinated? And there there were a few people talking about it and one of them said oh well you know what about autism I was just like oh god you're gonna feel really awkward in a few months time when you realize but so people think that vaccines cause autism it doesn't there was one rogue doctor that that was the assumption okay I was wondering yeah so they so they yeah so it was this study done in the night study I very loose terms done in the 90s uh, that was done for money for the pharmaceutical companies, it's been discredited by thousands of studies, studying hundreds of thousands of people over the past 20 years. There's absolutely no credibility to it at all. But people have it stuck in their minds that vaccines cause autism. Uh, autism is genetic. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, hmm. But that came up in conversation. They were saying that, you know, they didn't want their kids to be autistic. And one of the people said that they, that they're all of their kids are fully vaccinated with their MMR and all that, but they waited until their kids were walking and talking before oh. getting them vaccinated. And I was just like, oh, right, okay, it's going to be, I'm going to add on a few weeks to my well, coming out here. It's kind of interesting because um, as a vaccine-injured person, um, like, it, I know I was autistic long before I ever had my vaccine that that yeah. created my autoimmune issues, but um but having said that, I, I do think that there's a co-occurring um, issues that um, autistic people, <clears throat> excuse me, tend to have. For instance, mm-hmm. um, we're more prone to autoimmune problems. We're more yeah. prone to, you know, um, gastrointestinal issues. We're more prone to certain yeah. things because we're so sensitive. Essentially, an autistic person, it's like you take the sensitivity, you just turn it all the way up. So everything is more sensitive. And so I think that what might even happen sometimes in those situations is that the person was already autistic, but then because they got a vaccine, now there's other issues that are coming up for them. And now that now people are realizing that they're autistic in the first place, you know, because there's more tests being done because they had a reaction to something or, you yeah. know, um, so I think it, it, it just happens to be that we're, we're just more sensitive all around mm-hmm. and it isn't the vaccines yes. that are causing it, but it is, you know, something to be thought about in terms of health um, and, and mm-hmm. the co-occurring issues that we yeah. all have. And it is, it is also, you'd start to notice autism around the age of two or three, which is when kids start to develop an outward personality. Yeah, <laughs> That's just yeah, how that works. Exactly. And you do actually, like, it's not a modern phenomenon. Like, if you go back through literature and through folklore, um, most cultures will have uh, a mythology about the, cha- the Irish one is the changeling child, where they're beautiful baby suddenly overnight turns into this strange creature who is really sensitive and is really intelligent and is and looks and sounds exactly like their child but isn't their child and that's very very clearly autism Mm. and obviously that's way before any sort of medicine let alone vaccines yeah no I I hear what you're saying 
Um, I, I, I mean, I, we all have our opinions on vaccines, so I would not want this to be a conversation yeah. about vaccines, but, um, I but no, yeah, it's just, it's be careful what you're talking about. Cause basically what their, their point was that they would rather their children, you know, potentially get, you know, permanently disabled or die from COVID, um, or whatever disease, um, than be autistic, which is, you Very know, that's, insulting. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, it's mostly I, mm. due to the misconceptions I think that people have about what autism is, which is why these talks are so important and why, mm. you know, your research is so important and why m creating media that is actually by autistic people and, mm -hmm. you know, representing autistic people authentically is important because the more that people see, um, you know, what we're actually like, um, yep. the more they're mm. not going to be afraid of this and they're just mm. going to understand that despite the differences in the way that we think and do things and say things and whatnot mm -hmm. um we have amazing skills as well that are unique to us uh our our hyper focus our you know mastery mm -hmm. skills um certain things especially now there is you know often people that are autistic have extremely high iqs as well that isn't always the case but that does usually it correlates often that we have mm -hmm. higher iqs as well so we're not um you know, it's not this horrific thing most of the time. And a lot of times when it is, it's because there's a co-occurring condition alongside mm -hmm. the autism. And that's what's creating the difficulty. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But essentially our problem is that we're living in a neurotypical majority. And that's yeah. really what it is because autistic people communicate very well with other autistic people. It's that mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's like you said with the Android and you know, the Apple, it's, it's, it's like, we're working different systems. So if most of us were Android, you know, autistic, then it would be a lot easier. And it wouldn't be seen as a disorder or a problem, because we can mm -hmm. be just as successful, just as, you know, connected to other people. It's all just the miscommunications that happen, misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, that's where the problems come in. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's unfair to, to, you know, to kind of say that autistic being autistic is such a problem. It's not yeah. the problem is living in this world while being autistic, mm -hmm. but autism in itself. Um, I love that I'm autistic. I I'm very yeah. proud of it. And I know a lot of autistic people that are, and it's, it's because, you know, when you really learn your strengths, and, and you can appreciate them for what they are. You know, I, I think the more we have that, the more we express that and the more people see that, I think there's going to be less of a stigma of, oh, autism, you know, it's just like, oh, autism, you know, they're autistic, we're not, just apples and oranges, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, so I want to ask you, you mentioned that two things I'd like to, I'd like to kind of follow up on. You mentioned that uh, you have some uh, really amazing skills that maybe other people might not have or not, not have developed them as well. So what, what, in what ways would you say that you could stand out and say, maybe be a real like benefit to a production company or, or on a movie? Yeah. Uh, well, we tend to be very focused, so we don't miss as much. So um, we'll catch things that other people might not catch. Um, we're also mm -hmm. highly effective and efficient. We will, um, you know, I get tunnel vis vision on projects. So that's that's part of what makes me so good at what I do. It's because 
Um, and yes, there are distractions, whatever, you know, as a producer, you have to have many hats and you have to be able to shift from here to here to here. I can do all that and still be so focused on what I'm doing. Mm. And that's what creates the good results. I find where other people get tired, they want to move to something else. They've had enough of this. I can still focus. So mm. it's, it's, it's a real benefit and a real skill to have. And I think as well as um, direct and clear communication, most autistic mm will be very clear with you and very direct with you and they will yeah. mean what they say and I think that that actually mitigates a lot of the confusion that people go through mm -hmm. so the, if your top management is communicating with you clearly spelling everything out giving you all your resources you're going to be in a better place to do your job than somebody that you know maybe isn't as clear that doesn't think they need to be and you know they miss that they that mm -hmm. they didn't communicate something you know or yeah, so, so there's a lot of, and, and everybody, again, one autistic person is one autistic person. So we all have our different skills, but I found that in general, there's a lot of um, amazing, amazing, talented, successful autistic mm -hmm. because we're so focused, you know? Yes. So mm -hmm. I think it's also important, you know, with autism, a lot of, you know, what our skills are, what our strengths are directly correlate with our weaknesses as well and it's all about the environment you're in like what Anna was talking about there hyper focus is something that most autistics would get which is where you can just hone in on one thing because you love it so much and you can yeah. very happily concentrate on it for hours if not days or weeks which is fantastic if that's productive which you know if we're ch channeling that to work it is but it does have the flip side of you know for example but myself and I hyper focus I completely and utterly forget to eat to drink ah. to do anything else so I actually need somebody to remind me because I like I've gone I've gone an entire day without eating many yeah, many times same. but I make which is sure obviously... now to, to set like you said set alarms you know yeah yeah you, you learn tricks of how to deal with it yourself you know to, to yeah make sure and that at this time I eat at this time I drink you know so that you can you can still focus and make sure you get yeah. your, your needs completely and and like and you can take like any any one of our strengths you can see you know obviously in a different setting that can be a difficulty or it might it might come off the, the difficulties because I don't want to completely kind of say you know being autistic isn't hard it is bloody hard, oh, hard. a lot Absolutely of times it's hard it is it's bloody yeah, hard and, and but, I didn't mean to make you know, it sound that it's not oh, oh no Absolutely no no it's Com hard yeah completely but I do I just want <laughs> it to sounds hard to me that it's <laughs> yeah no I just I wanted to acknowledge that it's all it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time now would I change being autistic not a chance me neither you know I don't I want to because if not. I'm not autistic I'm a, I don't know who I would be I wouldn't be Kaylin that's for sure um yeah because it is what makes me good at my job. It, it is yeah. what makes me able to focus for hours, what makes me notice the different things, what makes me, you know, be able to talk with people the way I can. And that's also a thing that people think that autistics can't socialize and can't communicate. Yeah. We can, we just do it differently to you. And okay. I Absolutely. would actually, I actually love the conversations I have with people because I find I get, I get to the meat of the person <laughs> quite quickly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. because we uh, don't do the small talk as much yeah. we get to the actual bottom of everything and I think that's kind of what I was also trying to say with that mm -hmm. uh, with mildly different was just that you know the connection issue people think that mm -hmm. we don't have empathy or that we don't want to connect and a lot of times we don't connect because we've tried so hard and we've been mm -hmm. rejected so many times due to doing it differently that yeah. um that sometimes it's just less painful 
to just sit at home sometimes, you know, but we want yeah. to connect. We like yeah. other people and, and we, we, we have a l- more empathy, I think, than normal, than neurotypical. Yeah. Wow. I, I would yeah. say a lot of times I, I have too much empathy and like, yeah. particularly if somebody's doing something in any way embarrassing I have to hide because I can't I feel it physically and I can't cope with it or if something upsetting is happening to someone I feel upset and I you know if anybody in the room has any sort of heightened emotion I feel that emotion myself it's like I absorb it like a sponge it's 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 absolutely I feel like um you know the word empath where you actually Mm -hmm. absorb the person's energy and feelings that's what Mm -hmm. happens and yeah. it's intense. And so when people are being very negative and judgmental mm-hmm. or tense, it's like, okay, like I need to remove myself. But but otherwise, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's lovely to be able to sense somebody so much uh, in a mm-hmm. way that other people may not sense them. You know, they might yeah. not even feel what this person's going through, but I can stand next to them and I can feel it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And but, that's... Mm-hmm. sorry that was that's oh. just a good example of like it, it in some situations that's brilliant to have and it's lovely to be able to empathize with people so much but on the other hand oh my god <laughs> does it make things difficult and it, and you know it, it is very difficult because you can't a lot of autistics would struggle with interoception which is understanding how you feel um which I would str- I, I, I like to say I feel all of the emotions I just can't name any of them um oh, see I'm so opposite I'm incredibly <laughs> good at listing exactly what I'm feeling at all times oh no you see I, I, I can't but it meant that growing up and in work if anybody was fighting around me I internalized that and I I thought it was something that I did wrong and so it would it would make me very upset yeah, and I still would get quite upset at work. I'd be like, "Oh God, what have I done? What's happening?" And it's like, "No, no, no, they're just having a bit of an argument over there. It's got nothing to do with me." It's so, you tough know. to feel it so sensitively. Yeah, I think that's this is this might be a good time to show the four clips that we have from your film, Anna, mildly different, be great. but because I think um, the, the film really very well shows a lot of the things that you just uh, talked about. I'm so happy that we were able to share this, uh, Anna, and I, I hope that um, y- you, our listeners, seek this film out, mildly different. Um, because, I mean, as much as I love talking to you and reading and learning, I also learn visually. I'm a visual person. Mm-hmm. So just seeing the little movements that that the main character was doing with her hands or <laughs> kind of seeing how how you're being perceived by others helps me understand how how autistic and neurodiverse mm-hmm. people probably might feel. But I want to ask you, Anna, um, if I may, just, just a little bit about this film. I know that it was important for you to cast um, uh, an actual uh, autistic actor, right? both was it both the adult and the young girl that uh no no the little girl um she's not diagnosed as autistic um I'm not allowed really to say more than that um but uh, but she's not diagnosed as autistic um the our our lead actress is autistic I was also late diagnosed so she understands exactly what the character was going through and I felt it was really important because a lot of times non-autistic actors will overact they will over um they will create a more autistic you know person but it's it's not actually how we are and i wanted it to be very um 
true to to what it's actually like and I felt that Jordan did a brilliant job because she actually understood what it was like and she had gone through many of those situations herself as as well as many of us have um, and it's important to note though that the character in the film does have synesthesia so what you're seeing a lot of times with the orbs and and different things that's uh, part of synesthesia which which a lot of people who are synesthetic are also uh, autistic. So it's, it's definitely correlated, but I felt it was important to show that um, even though we don't see those things exactly that way, we feel them. So, so like for me, lights do make a sound. Like if I'm in certain rooms, it's a bit, the lights can be loud. And um, you know, if I'm listening to music, it feels like the world is moving, even if I'm not necessarily seeing it the way a synesthetic would. So, um, so it is important to kind of, to, to differentiate that it's not necessarily that we're seeing the world move if we're only autistic, but it does feel like everything is, is you're more sensitive to everything around you. And, and you can, you know, I feel the music, I think more than a normal person would. And, and I, I, I hear, you know lights or or whatever it is in 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 a way that that I feel is um much more than a normal person would would experience mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and I want to also ask uh, other than yourself uh like behind the oh camera, yes did you yes did you, we, did, we you... did have yeah we had yeah. we had more um so myself and Jordan and then we had um another one of our cast was autistic I can't name who uh as well as we had a few cast and crew who were neurodiverse in terms of uh ADHD um uh borderline sorry yes borderline personality disorder and bipolar so so we had quite a mix of people not everybody was neurodiverse but we had quite a lot of people that were uh but they like they wanted to you know keep their name private so i can't name names but there was no, we have seen to be as that. inclusive as possible to um to to bring everybody in that i felt this would actually mean something to them I remember when you were growing up that that you were openly uh, kind of saying we would like to work with people with crew and cast who are neuro neurodiverse and I loved that you put it out there and I think that is one of the changes that we can all make that is that we just open up to all all everyone we open up yeah. to everybody when we do our call crew calls and cast casting calls and they were all brilliant like you know there was very in fact there's very little in terms of, of of accommodations that needed to be made there were a couple for Jordan that were really minor honestly pretty much nothing and and you know everybody else they didn't even need a thing and I was very you know open to anything you need and they just they were fine so I think it's you know I think just they felt comfortable being able to to just be themselves and not be judged and not feel like they had to hide if they did need something but that uh, actually it was no different than working with anybody else mm -hmm. really. i think important to note there and anna's obviously done it correctly which is if you're looking to tell an autistic story by autistic people you have to be accessible you know so the biggest example of not being accessible is you might have come across Sia's feature yes. film music <laughs> which was the perfect you know I, well, I do apologize can you please say that for again Kaylin what yeah, example so, of being not accessible is so Sia the pop star she made a feature film called music 
Ah, okay. Which had its cinema run cut short because there was such uproar by the actually autistic community. So Sia is not diagnosed autistic herself. Um, and she cast a non-autistic actor um, and who to my knowledge is not neurodiverse either. And this and then this actor is a child. Yeah, so not, the, no, the, yeah. the story was terrible, but it was cast. The, the main actress, her name was Maddie. She was only 14, so it's not her fault. But she researched by watching videos of autistic children having meltdowns. Now, meltdowns are exhausting. They are terrifying and they're not tantrums. It's something you can't control. And it's something that a lot of autistics would feel immense shame over. And for her to take that and turn it into a character was so insulting and so offensive. So that was in the film. They also showed autism again as this weird caricature. Like it was clearly made by people who did she's completely incapable of taking yeah. care of herself and you know just really adding to more of the misconception but it's it's not even that it's the way she was stimming so stimming would be the movements you were talking about earlier yeah with our hands with our bodies with our mouth sounds you know stimming can be any sort of sensory input but the way she was doing it you could clearly see that she did not understand why she was doing that so to, just to give a little bit of info on that so stimming is self-regulatory behavior it's something you do to calm yourself down or to get rid of excess energy. So it's something you do when you feel any sort of emotion, you know? So if you're really upset, you'd stim and that would help kind of calm yourself, ground yourself. If you're really happy, you stim. So, you know, when I'm happy, I can't stop moving because I just have so much energy. I can feel it going through me. I need to get rid of it somehow. But you could see she was just kind of ticking away. You know, it was like she was having a seizure at some points. They also had a particular hold that they would put her in um, that has killed many autistics around the world and also many other like George Floyd um, around the world is really dangerous and they had that as a hold in the film but it was just so bad and Sia came out after the uproar to say they tried to cast an autistic actress but she couldn't cope with the set so they had to let her go which you know if you're going to make a film about autism you have to make that set accessible to autistics now, she also then turned around and said that autistics just weren't good actors and nobody was good enough, which, and then I think it was like that week or the week after Anthony Hopkins won his second Oscar, which is beautiful. But Isn't that funny? I thought that yeah. was hilarious. I, He's I autistic. If all that of this. Clear. I've never heard of it. So <laughs> Yeah, no, wow. well, you see, it was such an uproar in the autistic community and it, it made it into mainstream media a little bit. But even though it didn't get that much attention, it got enough attention that the entire thing was stopped and ground to a halt. And Sia went into hiding for a year. She's only just recently come out of it. Okay. So that shows. Yeah, I think she she took yeah. down her Twitter account and like yeah. all kinds of stuff for a while because it was such a problem. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's that kind of a thing that we want to avoid. And 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 it's not to mm -hmm. say that there aren't stories, you know, um, mm -hmm. that can be told well by non-autistic people or that can be acted by non-autistic people. But it's just in this time we need more mm -hmm. stories that are authentic. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we have too many of them that aren't. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's telling them, you know, a lot of the things as well is like the, autism, it needs to be told from an autistic perspective, you know, just as much as we need the female gaze in, in film, we need the autistic gaze. We need the story told from how we see life and how we experience life. And also, 
we need to just have autistics in film point blank like it, it doesn't need to be you know oh this film is about autism it could be oh this film is about xyz and one of the notable characters just happens to be autistic and just happens to be yes. autistically existing in the film um yeah. and then and then on top of that a lot of that's times what i autism... did with the, with the transgender or, or sorry gender fluid uh, person in my yeah in my and, film. And I, I, I just wanted to earlier. have them as just there you know and, yeah. and their pronouns and everything being you know respected and not made a thing of it was just yeah they were there that was yeah it. <laughs> so there's this i i highly recommend everyone watch mildly different it's, it's brilliant i just watched the first time today but i immediately copped when they just casually threw in their pronouns i was like that is brilliant because they didn't <laughs> They didn't make it like this big song and dance of oh well this is so and so and there it's like oh they're joining us from head office here they are it's like okay cool but um that, that but it is, is it, yeah it just stuff like that needs to be done and you know and also don't have us as lone wolves like a lot of the time films will have us that we're like on our own in this own little bubble we tend to flock to each other mm-hmm. particularly as adults we tend to flock to each other and it tends to be you know you think oh i'm not autistic because my friends like this and so is that and then you're looking around at them and like geez we're all bloody we're all autistic and that has happened to my friend group I now don't have any friends who aren't autistic actually that's that funny because that's what happened to me I I gravitated towards a certain group of people and they yeah. all just recently were assessed yeah. autistic yeah so and it, was, it was so funny because none of us knew for years yeah no thought. I I was I was like the kind of tester I got my diagnosis first and now they're all going to me so who did you go to and how was the process and all this I'm like here's the I have something ready to copy and paste at this point. I'm like, here, you, here's where you go. <laughs> but it is just a thing that happens. And also, again, autism is genetic. So like chances are at least one other person in their family is going to be autistic. So, you know, if you're depicting a family with an autistic person, somebody else in that group is going to be autistic as well. And I, I all brilliant discussion. Thank you so much. Um, I want to just return to one more thing that Anna, you mentioned earlier, and may, I think maybe you did, uh, Kaylin, as well. And that was, you, yeah, you did, because you said you got let, uh, let go a, a week early from mm-hmm. your job. And then Anna, you mentioned something about, you know, maybe people don't want to say they are autistic or now neurodivergent because they're worried um, of these repercussions. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, maybe you you don't know, uh, but I just wonder what uh, what is the what is the kind of um, support there for you? If, say if you do reveal this, if you do say to a production company or or, or mm-hmm. you know a company that that you are autistic. How can you, how can people protect themselves then? Or um, I don't even know if this is is a legit question, uh, but I just wonder, it is such a a sensitive thing and and you are exposing yourselves. Uh, What what happens if if you find yourself in this situation where you get let go? Honestly, there's not much you can do. The law says that it's illegal. And I, if, if I wanted to, I could have sued that production and I would have won. However, I also would never have worked another day in my life in the film industry. And I did speak to lawyers and I did speak to various uh, bodies uh, who, are all, who are all saying that, you know, a lot of the time in cases like mine, there's a bit of a gray area and it could be a he said, she said, or it could be a bit difficult. However, mine was not a gray case. Mine was very black and white and they very clearly discriminated against me and very clearly broke the law. 
so there was no doubt that what they did was wrong. However, everybody that I spoke to about it, my friends and the crew, were saying, please don't take a case. Please don't make a report because we like you and we think you're a good worker and you will never work again. Mm. And that's why ultimately I didn't do anything because I knew now I was then let go, obviously. Like, so I was, I started talking to the lawyers the minute my work got changed, but I was then let go the week after that I got my notice. If I'd stayed on the production longer, I probably, I possibly could have done, I would have done more, mm. but because I was let go straight away, I was like, well, <laughs> there's not much I can do at this point, but it is unfortunate. You know, at, at this point in the movement for acceptance, we're still very much in the early days and we are still very much in the, you know, fighting for equal rights essentially for autistics and it's horrible but that's the fact of the matter and the industry as a whole really has to change it's not just on us it's on everybody everybody has to do their part and that you know obviously producers have a lot to answer for and HODs have a lot to answer for but also I would argue the rest of the cast and crew if you see stuff going down like that say something because it is very very hard to constantly be the only one fighting it is very hard and it's exhausting and you know it takes up your mental physical emotional strength your financial <laughs> options you know at the end of the day there's only so much that we as individuals can do and we need the help of everyone around us to fight for us that's actually how i feel so often about so many things because i feel like you know i try so hard to kind of do the right thing and and it's so it's so draining and daunting when it's just mm -hmm. you up there fighting. And, and I think that that's mm -hmm. also why, you know, people have asked me, um, you know, why are you so, you know, why are you so open about this? Why are you, you know, why do you advocate? Mm -hmm. And and, it, and it's, it's not even, you know, it's not to like, oh, look at me, you know, it, it's just, it's like, well, but if more of us come out and more mm -hmm. of us talk about this, then it won't be so hard for me. You know, yeah. it'll be it'll be easier yeah. for everybody. And um, and I just I think that that the more of us that that just kind of are in the limelight talking about this and more of these yeah. kinds of discussions and and just you know people who are just slowly becoming more aware. Um, mm -hmm. I think you know that's really where it the change lies. Unfortunately you know there like like Kaylin said there's not much we can do because yeah you are going to be labeled the troublemaker the problematic person that nobody wants to touch you know um because they'll be so worried you're going to sue them you know um mm -hmm. so they're not going to do anything but um but but I think if we just if people are just more aware then mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. most of the battle honestly and we just have to do our best to keep these conversations going and to be as you know inclusive mm -hmm. as we be and I think that eventually in time that will make the change mm -hmm. yeah and just to add on to that I'm just I'm reading the comments as <laughs> I was <laughs> gonna bring us to them but go ahead Kaylin yeah yeah so just um you know somebody's commented saying that you know so many people are being blacklisted but they do but that doesn't mean anything because you can keep working. And I would agree with that to an extent. However, if you're new to the industry, unfortunately, you because you don't have your name, you know, on the list because you don't have your foot in the door, it is much easier to just be gone. So yeah. I'm in a bit of a better position now in that I am a little bit more established. And that's why I feel comfortable coming out and saying, hey, I'm autistic. Um, 
that's why I look like this and talk like this. And also I need X, Y, Z. But, but by giving me that, you get this in return. And yeah. I'm happier to do that. But if you're a trainee or if you're new to the industry, you don't have that, that, that luxury yet. And that's why I think it's even more important for folks like me and Anna, because we have that little bit of power to use it. And, you know, if... Like, I think that's why so many of us end up working for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but, if, but if more of us start speaking up, um, particularly as we make our way up that ladder, the industry is going to change. Whether it wants to or not, the industry is changing. Yes. And it's, you know, and it will eventually result in a more accessible workplace, which, as we've said so many times throughout this conversation, will help everybody, you know, whether or not they're autistic, it will help absolutely everybody across the board. Because like even like communication, you know, that will help people who maybe don't speak English as their first language. You know, like there's so many intersectionalities that could all benefit from just better accessibility, clearer accommodations, clearer communications across the board. It will help so many people like parents, caregivers, people who maybe are in education or going back to college, you know, who needs like flexible work hours or different work hours. Like there's so many things that will help so many people and that would only strengthen our mm -hmm. industry because yes. ours in particular, like we tell stories and if we're telling the exact same story all the time, it's boring. <laughs> You know, we I agree need with you. People, <laughs> we need different people to make those stories and tell those stories and keep us moving and keep us fresh. Yes, no, I absolutely agree with you. And I have to say that uh, I, I mean, the, what I like about women in film is that we do kind of talk about topics that maybe um, others are afraid to touch, but sometimes even like myself, a topic needs to be brought to me. Like as much as I, I do try to stay in the, in the know and kind of educate myself, there are things I'm ignorant towards. And um, I just, um, so what I like about us is that we connect and we talk and I would like to encourage everyone who's listening to us if, you know, to kind of interconnect. Um, we are a great group of uh, women filmmakers so if something here that was said from Anna or Kaylin today interested you or you want to follow up, maybe I should ask first for your permission if people may maybe just send you a question if they feel... Yes, I'm, I'm always yeah, I'm, happy to be contacted. So <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'll pop my email into the chat now and anybody who wants to, please feel free to get in touch with me. It might take me a little while to get back to you because I have many emails, <laughs> but yeah. I will get back to you eventually. Thank you. Thank you very much, both of you, because, yeah, I think, as you say, like the more of us that speak up or the more of us that come together and, and kind of hold hold together as a group, the, the, the better chances there are for everyone to be represented, to be equally treated. Uh, uh, and that's what we're striving for. Um, I, 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 you said, uh, Kaylin, that you read through the, the comments. I have to mm -hmm. say, for me it's difficult to listen and as well read uh, so I and I don't want to disrespect you by reading questions or anything so um, if it's okay I'm just going to turn to our Q&A now and see if there are an, any questions that we could possibly um, ask and answer um, I know gosh there's loads of comments uh, and I've received one via a text message <laughs> um, but it looks like it went away somewhere. 
Uh, oh yeah, um, we have a question here from Dorothy. Uh, it says, how do the panelists feel about the ND workplace passports currently being rolled out for workplaces? I'm not sure, I don't know what an ND, ND passport is. Do you? Do so you know? I've never heard of it. I hadn't either. Um, I got her to send me the link. <laughs> so I have it ah. now. Wow, from... multitasker. I, this is, I'm autistic, I do it all. <laughs> But, um, so basically, it's it's from as I am, and it's a sensory profile, essentially passport. Let me actually, I'm not going to attempt to share my screen because my Zoom always goes batshit crazy whenever I try that. But basically, it's where you can list out, and um, they have different sections, uh, like sensory section. I manage my environment by. I struggle with uh, environments such as I get distracted by the following odor, sense, texture. They've got communication methods. They have concentration, predictability routine, organization, You'll things like that. You'll have to send that to me, Kaylin. It's in a link there. If you go, uh, um, Anna, if you go into Q&A. Uh, no? I'll pop it into the regular chat yes, as well. Thank you. It's in now. It's in regular chat. Um, um, it yeah. is. It is. Um, I've. I'd seen stuff like this before, and I think in certain settings it's great. Um, however, again, you kind of it it really depends on the education of the person you're talking to. Like a lot of, and me and Anna had talked about it a little bit by um, email beforehand. Is a lot like obviously I can I can speak right now. I'm speaking. However, there are times when I can't, um, and I mean that I physically can't. So I do have to communicate by text and it's like a lot of the time I, you know, um, I'll have conversations like, like, you know, with my partner, well, they'll, they'll speak verbally to me and I will text them my response because it could take me an hour or even a day before I get my speech back. And like some of my friends will know, I'll be like, I was going to send you a voice note, but it turns out I can't talk this morning. So have a, here's a paragraph of a text instead. And it's just something that happens. Stress can make it worse. Tartness can make it worse. Sometimes it just seems to be a thing. Um, but I can't do that with everybody because a lot of people would think that I'm either just being dramatic or looking for attention mm -hmm. or if they don't know me they would think that because I can't speak verbally and I need to give a passport over to to express my needs because they are needs they're not wants they're needs um, they then presume that I'm incompetent Okay. And they will direct questions for me as well. And yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll I say I'm autistic. Yeah. And now I would have um, I have a lot of co-occurring conditions, um, some of which have been diagnosed, some of which they're still like, we don't really know what's wrong with you. Try this new medicine. I'm like, oh, God, OK. <laughs> so I sounds horrible. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time with a lot of doctors. And Honestly, I don't tell most of them I'm autistic because you only get so much time with these guys and I don't want them distracted by my, my being autistic. Um, however, there was uh, recently I had to go to a hospital appointment and now this is just the Irish healthcare system was meant to be there for an hour. I was there for six. By the time I actually got to see the doctor, I couldn't speak. I was so overwhelmed. I was on the verge I was essentially in a shutdown. Um, I like the minute I got back to my car, I just sobbed for an hour because I was so overwhelmed by everything. 
Um, but because I had so many medical issues, I have I now have my own medical file that I've compiled myself. <laughs> so, and I had written out all of my symptoms that I was going with him with, my recent test results, my medications I was on, and my family history. So again, another I autism case. Yeah. I'm like, I have all of it here because they ask you questions. I'm like, look, it's all yeah. here. It's all written. I have it all clearly defined. And they're just yeah. like, yeah, they don't even look That's at it. They want you to yeah, tell them. But- and I'm like, but I can't. Like, it's here. I wrote it all out. Yeah. No, and that was the first, like, I usually give it to them. But this was the first time I could, like, I got maybe, like, one or two syllables there, but I just couldn't do it anything. So I, I just handed them the folder. And they're like, oh, what are your medical history? And I just flipped it to that thing. I just pointed it. And they're like, oh, right, okay. And then it was kind of funny, but also very telling of, the of their, like, this is a doctor I was speaking mm-hmm. to. They should be, they should be knowledgeable about okay. autism. Yeah. But they were reading through, they're like, oh, you've got, you know, anxiety, you've got dyspraxia, you've got hypervision spectrum disorder, you've got, and then they just stopped talking because they got, they got to autism on the list. And they had been reading out absolutely everything up until that point. And then they stopped and their entire demeanor changed. And it was just pity. But, and I was just like, I mean, I'm having a terrible time, but that's because your hospital is a terrible place, <laughs> to put it mildly, very loud, very disorganized very bright um why does the tv have to be on right above my head dear god um but their entire demeanor changed and I did not have the energy to fight them on that but that's the problem so I I didn't have a choice but to use what is essentially a passport at that point it was my own kind of cobbled together version I didn't have a choice and their entire demeanor shifted now I was lucky in that I wasn't denied medical treatment but you know it I know it has happened to many other people and I know that, you know, like they just, they don't give you the choices you need. And like, it's very similar to being a woman in healthcare. The amount of times I've needed (laughs) medical intervention and they have not given it to me until they can confirm I am not pregnant, which (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. a whole other kettle of fish, but it's similar to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. I, so, uh, what about Anna? You, how do you feel about those passports? Um, I mean, again, I'd have to research it. I really don't know. I, I, I understood what you were talking about, you know, regarding the passports, but I, I, I'd have to really kind of look into it. It sounds like a really interesting thing. Um, again, it's, you know, I think for me, it would be something like kind of what Kaylin was saying that, you know, you don't necessarily want to have to show something like that because it makes you look incompetent. And, um, and I think for me, it's hard enough to prove that I'm not incompetent when I tell people I'm autistic. Mm. (laughs) And I mean, in general, I try not to lead with that, you know, because I, again, I just don't want the stigma and the, the, the problems that go along with that. Mm -hmm. People start treating you like you're three-year-old and, um, you know, and like you, like you need handholding. <laughs> and I'm like, I run a company. I, uh, I, I, you know, I fend for myself daily. I raise a child, you know, I certainly don't need that. Um, yes. but, yeah. you know, and so I worry about that kind of aspect of that kind of thing is that, you know, if you present it in that way that, you know, but, but I think if you, if, if it, if it helps to more clearly articulate your needs, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it, it can be very beneficial. I know sometimes, um, like I articulate better in writing and I find it difficult to verbalize 
really concrete data points. Um, so sometimes like I sound a lot less intelligent at times than than what I can do when I'm writing. And mm. it's 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 that kind of thing. So I know for me, I would just forget certain things. I, you know, yeah. I might forget to say something to somebody um in terms of something that maybe might help be helpful to me. So I think mm-hmm. that there might be other people that just might have trouble verbalizing it. And I think in that case that could be really helpful. Um, but I just would really worry uh, just about the whole presenting it that way um, and seeming incompetent, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. Um, I ju- I want to just kind of interject here and just just uh, acknowledge that I realize we are running um, now an hour and a half, and usually our webinars are about an hour long. So I. First of all, thank you both for sticking with me here for so long. And then second to to our listeners, thank you very much for being here with us and sending all your comments. The comment section is so lively. I I, I can't <laughs> I can't really keep keep up with you guys. But um I, I would like to kind of conclude this conversation that has been the most informative for me. And I feel like you don't even need me here. You guys could moderate this all on your own, but you have absolutely helped me get more insight and kind of feel more comfortable asking uh, about uh, about autism and and kind of seeing seeing what what could be done um, uh, as in the film industry to help uh, change things for everyone. So well, I think, Yaro, you know, I love working with you because you're such a direct and clear communicator. I think, you know, you don't have long, you don't have a long road ahead of you in this way. I think you're already on the right path. You're a very good communicator mm-hmm. as it is. So you, you are very kind. Anna, I have to say that is something that I've I've really felt pulled towards with you right away because I felt you were very direct at saying what you needed. And I love that. And and what I one thing you did to me, Kaylin, when we first spoke on the phone, you asked me once to to phrase my question differently, and yeah. I and I was so happy that you did that because it showed me that, you know, as as much as I mm-hmm. think I feel speak clearly, sometimes maybe I just need to rephrase things. And it, you were showing me instead of telling me what I could do, you were showing mm-hmm. me by example you know, how I can uh, adjust and, and help uh, people mm-hmm. understand me and, and help them process. So both of you have been really um, good for my development <laughs> and thank you so much. So, but um, I don't want this to be a praise about me, not at all. Um, I, I have this question here from Elaine Walsh and I wonder if we could read that and maybe close the discussion uh, with, with her question. And then anyone who wants to 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 uh, ask you more, uh, feel free to reach out to Kaylin and Anna. So um, Elaine's question, um, this is the best discussion. Thank you. <laughs> I have a question. In 2020, I was working with a writer online who had several signs that he was autistic. He was an older guy and I was sure he had no idea he was autistic. I was developing his screenplay, including the treatment and problems arose with characterization. He just could not connect emotionally with characters. I tried several ways to help him develop character bios, but I feel I failed him. To me, character is plot, and he wanted to move on without developing characters because the emotional descriptions needs depth of every character was overwhelming overwhelming him, paining him. 
What could I have done to help him? Thank you so much, Elaine. Do you want to weigh in? Maybe. That's a difficult. Yeah, that's kind of actually the comment that just came out there. I do think maybe that wasn't necessarily um, autism, you know, that would be the problem there. I, I think, you know, people have different styles of, of writing mm -hmm. times. And for some people, this area is more important for other people, another area is more important. And I think um, maybe the thing to do there is to, to really kind of step in and communicate why it's important to mm -hmm. you and what it is that you'd like to see. Because um, maybe give an example of another script or another area that, uh, you know, and, and just kind of say, this is kind of what I'm looking for. And while I understand that this isn't really your passion, if you can just create a little more along mm -hmm. these lines, I think that would really help. For instance, for me, um, I'm very visually focused when I write scripts. So I write a lot of visual detail and like to tell a story visually. Um, and I know obviously film is visual, but some people really focus on dialogue, a lot of dialogue. And um, I know somebody who writes, you know, very much dialogue heavy and I'm very visual heavy you know when I write so um sometimes you just have different preferences different styles and it would help to give an example or to kind of you know express what yeah. it is you're looking for more mm. I, yeah I don't know obviously without having met the guy um I don't know if he was autistic or not but some general things that you can do to help is so a lot of things, and we hadn't touched on this yet, is people think that autistics are like um, are rule followers. And a lot of us would have a really strong sense of justice. And I would be one of those. However, I will only follow the rules if I agree with them or if I understand them. So just because something's a rule doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to follow that to the letter. So I need to understand what I'm being asked to do and why. If I agree with that now, I will fully <laughs> go on board with that. Um, but if I don't agree with it or if I don't understand, I'm not going to do it. And a lot of the time that causes a lot of misunderstandings and miscommunications. And a lot of people feel threatened when I ask them to explain or say, oh, but why are we doing it this way? And it's not me threatening your authority or saying that you're on. It's me saying I need more information before I can process and make a decision on this and before I can do any action. So that there could have been um, a little bit of that going on. Um, there's also something called demand avoidance, which I would struggle with a lot. A lot of autistics, ADHDers would have that, which is where the more I have to do something and somebody is telling me to do something, the more I can't do it. And it's not that I'm being lazy. It's I, I like my brain is screaming at me to do the thing. And my body's like, now we're not good. We're just going to sit here in turmoil <laughs> for a while. And, and the longer that goes on, the worse it gets. That could have been something going on in the background. But again, without being in that situation and without speaking with him directly um, or observing the situation, I, I can't say whether any of that was going on. He could have just been a cantankerous old man either. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. That's actually very funny that you say that. Because, so I don't have ADHD, but I, I'm very close to somebody who does. And he and he has the issues that you have with the more it's told, the more, you know, it's difficult for him to do it. Whereas for me, I have the exact thing that you're talking about with the rules. It's mm -hmm. I will follow something to the letter. I will exemplify it, but I have to really agree and understand. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I people will see me as like the troublemaker. And I'm just like, no, they think I'm challenging them or their yeah. authority. And I'm like, I just 
really, I don't understand the point of this. Right. <laughs> you, know? um, you really want to understand before. Yeah. And I think that in this situation as well, um, understanding could, if they're autistic or, or even if they're not, just understanding more clearly um, would be beneficial, I think. I, I think what you said earlier, Anna, uh, when, when, we, when I asked kind of what can we do, what is the basic, most basic thing we could do to kind of understand, you said just clear communication. And if you don't know, or you, you know, maybe if you need to know more, ask, but just kind of try to streamline things. Don't walk around a subject, be direct, right? Mm -hmm. So I think maybe maybe that's that's where uh, my check, uh, being a check person, my check trait would come in handy because we are very direct. <laughs> but I, I think may, hopefully that kind of helps Elaine there. Just, I can understand, like I can feel myself where I am maybe afraid to ask or, I, I kind of don't know how I can find out and I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. yet. I am confused myself. So it is a, it's a tricky situation, but also you've mentioned that, that autistic people are actually very empathetic. So, so we should not mm -hmm. assume that they, they can't empathize just, mm -hmm. you know, strip the communication to bear necessary. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like in Ireland, there's a lot of, um, a lot of assumptions in the way people talk yeah. they you assume things and you expect that they will assume things and everything's a joke um <sighs> everything is said in a joke it's not yeah. clearly stated and then you know sometimes we'll miss things and someone will get upset or offended and we're just like what 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 yeah. what <laughs> you know yeah. and it's because neurotypical people they add all of this extra stuff into the conversation or they you know, they, there's yeah. a lot of assumption, but for us, it is literally the words, everything that we yeah. say, we're very careful with our words and every mm -hmm. word is picked for its exact meaning. So, you know, or we'll clarify, you know, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, I think it's, it's really important to just, yeah, to just be very, very clear. And, and it, the culture mm -hmm. here is, is, is not Helpful. But building <laughs> on top of that, I like to say that Ireland is a sarcastic nation. It's in our blood, um, and it's it's that is very difficult to to not do. It's just it's something we're socialized to do from like the time we are born, and I and I get that. I'm not asking that everybody change like who they are and how they speak, but try not to be as sarcastic, perhaps. But if you can't, be okay with us asking for clarification and don't make fun yeah, of us and don't, don't make a big deal about it. When we ask a question, it's not a challenge. It's just yeah. Like my my boss Julie, like before I got any of my diagnoses, um, we were now in a routine where like it's very normal and she was great. You know, she never made a big deal out of it, but she'd say, you know, ask me to do something, and um, she would use use a lot of sarcasm. And I now just on the regular will turn to her and go do you actually mean for me to do that or were you joking? <laughs> and that has <laughs> saved us a lot of heartache because she will have said something in glib and then I would have happily gone off and done the thing. She's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. <laughs> that was a joke. You were not meant to actually do that or say that to that person. I'm like, oh, well, that was not clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a wonderful way to close it. Thank you for sharing that, Kaylin. I cannot, I cannot just express how grateful I am that you, you came. I, thank you so much both for joining me and for, for opening this conversation and being willing to talk about it. 
Um, I, uh, I will definitely hope to work with you in the future again. Uh, uh, can't wait to see what else you make uh, in your filmmaking careers. Thank you everybody here who joined us. Hopefully, hopefully you found it beneficial as well. Uh, and if you have any more questions, feel free to interconnect and everything, all that. This is why we're here. So um, Anna, Kaylin, thank you very much. Thank you, Yoro. Um, thank you, everyone. Thanks thank for you. having us. And if I if I maybe forgot to ask you something important, let me know mm -hmm. and I will bring it up the next time. Um, okay, so everybody have a good evening. Hope you had a nice Easter and we will see you at the next uh, WFT podcast. Bye. Bye. If you would like to support Women in Film and TV Ireland or follow the work we do, log on to WFT.ie. Thank you.